Welcome and thanks for tuning in to Real People, Real Talk. Relevant conversations that take you from surviving to thriving. This is the podcast that goes there. My name is Paul Calco and I'm your host. Now let's talk. Hello, Thriver, and welcome to another episode of Real People, Real Talk. We have a value-packed show for you today, as May is Mental Health Awareness Month. This is the month and time that is set aside to raise awareness for those that's living with mental or behavioral health issues. And we want to help reduce the stigma that so many um, are experiencing because they they deal with that. And so we're going there today. We're going to talk about how to survive and how to thrive, both mentally and emotionally. But let me give you a disclaimer. Today's show is about sharing stories and raising awareness. This is not professional advice. So before we get started, let me read a listener review. 40 Calco says this. I listened to a couple of messages yesterday and found myself really anxious to hear what Paul would say next because of his way with words. They always flow so well. So that alone keeps my attention. He's a wise man and a great guy and a great podcast. Man, shout out to 40 Calco for that feedback. And if you like what you hear today, would you consider leaving a rating and a review? We would love to hear from you and read your review on air as well. But now let's talk. Our guest today, first we have Arshana Warren joining us from Cleveland, Ohio, who's the founder of I Am Arshana LLC, formed in 2018 with the idea to help other believers to learn how to have a life that is fun, exciting, and not negating their relationship with Christ, and also a recent psychology grad. So welcome to the show, Arshana. Hi, how are you doing? Thanks for having me on. (laughs) <laughs> Most definitely and glad that you are here. Next, we have Chamika Tumblin, advocate, educator, speaker who holds a Master of Science in Public Health and Master's in Marriage and Family Therapy and over five years of experience in the field of behavior health. And she's joining us from Nashville, Tennessee. Welcome to the show, Chamika. Thank you for having me. I really enjoy the podcast. So it's a pleasure to finally be able to listen to hear my own voice. Good looking out. I appreciate that. It's going to make the episode go even better. I appreciate that. So we're going to have a roundtable discussion about mental health. So ladies, y'all ready? You ready? I'm ready. All right, let's go. Uh, Shamika, we'll start with you. Why should we prioritize our mental health? We're going straight there. Let's go. All right. Um, Because everything ties back to that. Like we can talk about physical health. We can talk about you know, how you're doing in your career. We can talk about how you're doing in your family life. But if we don't talk about your mental health, then we're not talking about you as a person. And when you think about the things that drive you, motivation, goals, and all the things that we talk about on a daily basis, when asking someone what motivates them to do what they do, your mental health is tied to that. So if you're not caring for your mental health, I can't honestly expect you to show up fully as your full self because you aren't your full self. Mic drop already. (laughs) (laughs) To piggyback, um, one thing that I really have been super interested in my studies, like you said, I'm just a recent graduate of psychology. Um, So one thing that I was super interested in was development, especially with children. Why do we do the the things that we do as adults? You know, what influences our decisions and our behaviors? And um, I think that's super important for us to recognize and understand. I think people think that health overall just means our physical body and not necessarily what's going on in our mind and what's 
what we're capable of doing and thinking of and feeling and how that affects other people and the things and the decisions that we make. If I could tag team, I would love to say with that, if we were to break it down to a small analogy, every day you wake up in a room, that's your mind. Like when I wake up, the thoughts I tell myself in the morning or whatever it is I'm telling myself that I'm about to do, all that starts to appear. So whenever I'm navigating my day, the first thing I got to do is come out of the room that I created in my head. So it's important for me to take a look at my mental health or take a look at what has created the room in my head, because that's the first place that I start with my functions. And if I can't ever make it out of here, I can't show up in the real world for anybody else. See, I brought in the professionals today, so we we about we about to go there. And let me just give y'all give you a friendly reminder about how we do things here, real people, real talk. We believe in holistic health. I want to see you win. I want to see you thrive spiritually first and foremost. I want you to know Jesus, and then I want you to thrive physically, get your body right. I want you to thrive relationally, thrive financially, and then today I want you to thrive mentally and emotionally. And so, Arshana, I'm gonna kick it back to you. Let's get even more practical. What does what does it look like to prioritize your mental health? Um, I'm a big advocate for self care. Uh, I'm always talking about that, especially as a new business owner, self-care is super important. Um, And I think once we prioritize in our day, you know, what that means for us, because that is is different for everybody. Like not everybody needs to go get a mani-pedi. Not everybody needs to go for a drive, you know, but whatever works for you that makes you feel comfortable, that brings your anxiety, frustration, whatever, back down and center yourself, whatever it is that you need to do, you need to put that into your schedule. You need to actively put that into your schedule too. Don't just think like, oh, today I'm going to go to the library and read a book. No, write down what time I'm going to go, you know, what time I'm going to go to the library and how long I'm going to be there. Because I think once you write it down, once you actually say it, once you you know, either tell somebody else, then it makes you do it. You know, you're now required <laughs> to fulfill that thing. So I think self-care is super important and making sure that you're active in the pro- in the process. She hit it on the, like the nail on the head. Like okay. if I were to add anything to what Ashana said, I think if we don't mind, I would love to give like a personal experience at this point. So I just started a business like, literally (laughs) just papers in hand um so positively meek is now an llc but it took a lot of work on my mental health to get here like working through that poverty mindset or that mindset of what am i supposed to like i understand god has opened doors for me but lord there's no blueprint in the area in which you send me and being okay with shamika you are the blueprint, baby girl. Like I created you for this moment and created you for what I'm sending you in to do. There was supposed to be a blueprint because you're going to create it. And also understanding there may be a lot of aspects of what I do that I see others around me doing, but they're still not doing what I do. That's what makes it different. And crying out to God and just wondering, like, I'm praying and learning, okay, you got to pray and then listen. So a lot of this journey for me of discovering my own, like talking to people about mental health came from my own journey in mental health. And also the journey of opening a business followed so closely with my spiritual journey, having faith, learning to trust God and trust myself and the understanding of loving me. I was able to love me deeper when I understood that he one is love 
And also in creating me, he created me with everything, the imperfections and all these things. One, because they are perfect in his eyes. And two, because through those imperfections, I loved, I learned to love him deeper. And I think sometimes like when we talk about the different messages, as a therapist, I'm not, I'm a Christian, but I'm not a Christian therapist. There's a whole field of that. But I am able every day to be a vessel through which someone is impacted by God because I allow him to use me in the work that I do. So like, so just to say, that's my self-care. Going deeper into my word, I can tell when I've like fallen off, like, you know, when I'm falling behind on church because I'm putting other things before, you know, showing up for me. So getting back into my word. And it's always amazing because it's like the time I come back in or I tune into certain pastors, it's like, yeah, that was that was just for me. Um, for instance, uh, Pastor Mike Todd did a whole series on going deeper. And I'm like, Lord, I just, whew, it, it was for me. It was like, you, you asked for a testimony or you got a testimony, but you can't keep giving me praise in shallow water. You standing up, baby girl. I need them to see you give me a testimony and, or give you a testimony and give me praise when your feet aren't touching or your feet aren't, you know, on the bottom of the pool. I need them to see you in the troubled water and see where I brought you from. And understanding that it's okay to show up and show people I'm I'm walking the walk, like I'm right here with you. There are days when I get up and depression is heavy. There are days when I have anxiety and I know the Bible says be anxious for nothing or be anxious, you know, be not anxious, but I, like my body, <laughs> like whether it be a place, whether it be triggered by a conversation, like I'm constantly having to like keep myself at bay. And no, that doesn't make me a bad Christian. Matter of fact, that makes me a better Christian because I am actively serving God and doing what it is I'm called to do while working through what it is that I'm trying to pull you alongside and help show you that we can do this together. And I know this may be later on, but even the conversation of church and mental health, for me, that's important because as a Christian, I'm going through this and I'm helping show other Christians the way. And while I'm talking about God, I'm also giving coping mechanisms that I'm using in my daily life that are tools that I'm pulling from. So not only are we talking about the Bible, the word and what I'm pulling from there, but also those other resources, tools that I can give you as a human. Absolutely. I'm, I'm going to stop here. No, because <laughs> no, it's crazy. You said something about, and I recently did a YouTube video about how your testimony can fuel your brand. I also help with social media uh, managing and stuff like that. Um, so I, I did a recent YouTube video about how your testimony can fill your brand. And one of the, a couple of the things that I talked about was how important it is for us as business owners, people who are creatives, whatever, you know, your role is through social media. Um, it's important for us to be really authentic and true yeah. to what's going on. And you had said something about how there are days where you're not feeling 100%, which is so true. There are going to be days where we're not feeling 100%. In whatever career field that we're in, but to understand what our purpose is, what our whys are, who we are doing this for, and not just for the community, but of course for God and even for ourselves and the things that we want to see in our lives as well. I think having those like remembrances, it helps us move. It helps me at least. I know what y'all, but it helps me <laughs> go even, even further and dive deeper in my word and in what I'm supposed to be doing in my business, in my career, in my life. Um, Cause then there's a reason, you know, mm -hmm. it, it, I'm not just living my life. I'm not just going day by day doing whatever, but there's a specific thing 
that I'm doing in these 24 hours. Well, technically less than that if you, because we don't wake up at 12 and go to bed at 12. So, you know, like we don't have full 24 hours. So whatever I'm doing in the time that I'm awake, like I need to make sure that it is purposed, that it is, you know, there's some, there's a reason for it. And there's somebody who's going to be impacted by what I am doing, either it's good or bad, but we have to make that decision for ourselves. And I think that's also part of our mental health, just like you said, because I think once we focus on those things, it helps us, you know, not worry so much about all of the crazy stuff that's going on. And I think a great point to Ashana and that is the fact of understanding that taking care of you and your mental health is showing up for others. I think sometimes what helps bring that stigma is that I don't want to be selfish or especially if we're in the church, I need to be a servant leader. So if I'm taking time away from the people and I'm spending it with myself, then I'm not doing what God has called me to do. If you're not whole, if you're not pouring into yourself or allowing God to pour into you, then you can't show up for other people. So therefore, you're holding a position or you're holding this title, but you're doing injustice to what you've been called to do because you're not doing it the way you were called to do it. And sometimes I've heard it said before, but I don't hear it said enough. So you may have heard that before, but I just want to reiterate that to you. If you're not taking care of you, yes, you're you're not doing what you was called to do. So I think... So for me, that's the workouts. So, uh, you know, mm-hmm. making sure we stay active. Paul, you talk about that a lot. So if y'all haven't been to his IG, I'm sure he's going to drop it later. Y'all need to check that out because he is constantly reminding y'all to, to get, you know, get fit, you know, bring the family in. You don't have to do it alone. We talking on here, all of us in some way, shape or form are impacted by the mental health field. Get a therapist. If, if you know you need to speak with somebody, get a therapist. If you're like, "Mm, I just need help with reaching goals. I don't know if I need to talk with somebody about, you know, the inner workings of me. Get a life coach. There's somebody out there for everything. You don't have to necessarily say, oh, I'm fixing to go jump into the deep end of the pool. We can we can get you at the kiddie pool and politely walk you on over, start you in the three feet and then walk you out to the deep. That's what we are here for. Um, Other things, speaking with family members, like you said, you don't have to go alone getting that together, uh, groups, whether that be church groups or groups within the community, being able to literally speak is a therapy in itself because that eliminates the shame and guilt, which for a lot of people talking about ending the stigma, that's a huge aspect of the sick of the stigma. So being able to give voice to the things that are causing you problems is key. So finding a community and plugging in there. And even if you're not you know, as active at first, get in there, listen, observe, and then start to get active. But step number one is identifying that and finding a place where you know you will be able to talk eventually. I love it when the conversation is so good, so full of gems that I have struggled transitioning because y'all brought the heat. So the doors of the church are not open. We're going to take up an offering and we're going to be dismissed. They have laid it all out. So thank you so much for joining Real People Real Talk. Now, all jokes aside, it was so much in there, even beyond mental health, even by getting getting a trainer or a life coach or a therapist. I'm reminded, like, even the great Michael Jordan, who I think and know is the GOAT, um, even he had a trainer. And so we need people that are further along than us. And so whether that's a therapist or whether that's a life coach or somebody just to disciple us um, spiritually. And I'm so glad y'all brought it up about self-care because there's a misconception that especially in the body of Christ, they think that self-care is selfish. But self-care 
you can you can say self love. I think about the great commandments. Um, Jesus told us we need to love God and love our neighbor as we love ourselves. A lot of times when when preachers preach that, some of them, not all of them, of course, they we focus on loving God and loving others, but we leave out the other part where it said love your neighbor as you love yourself. So self care is not selfish because I need to minister. Um, taking the person, I need to minister from a full. Cup, so I need to have some rest. I need to have that time with the Lord. And so I know y'all mentioned what self care looks like for y'all. For me, I have, um, I do self care. I try to do something daily, but at least weekly. It's Fridays. That's the day that I I don't go to work because as a pastor, Sunday is considered a work day. And so on Fridays, I sleep in. Okay. I rest. Um, I do what I want. And now I'm at a point where I don't have any guilt about it. So if I wasn't quote unquote productive, it still was a productive day because rest is productive. Um, binge watch my favorite show, um, more time with the Lord. And unless it's emergency, like nothing work related. Cause I'm like, all right, when I'm there, I'm all the way there. And I get it. Cause you know, pastor is a 24 seven job, but even with jobs like that, we still got to exercise healthy boundaries. If you needed this, you, you know, you could have said it before five o'clock, but I digress. And so our I'm glad that you spoke to that about scheduling it in. Cause it is to the point like, all right, Friday. No, I know like Thursdays at four o'clock, I'm going to play basketball. That's another form of self care and just having some fun and then trying to bounce back and forth. Shamika, what you said about struggling mentally does not make you a bad Christian. Struggling mentally means you're human. Okay. And the fact that people are strong enough and honest enough to admit that they have um, areas where they can grow or have weaknesses or whatever, that, that says a lot about their about their strength. And so we're kicking it back to you, Shamika, as we're at the, the intersection of of church and mental health. Like, what can we do as the body of Christ um, just to do a better job? of ministering to those that may struggle mentally. Cause sometimes we can over spiritualize it. We can over spiritualize something. And just because somebody is struggling mentally or emotionally was like, well, if you, if you pray more, that's, that's not always the case. So talk to us, please. So I think one, the same way we talking about as a community, we need to be more open and honest and talk about our struggles. We got to be open and honest as a church. Because we had to, before we even brought our problems to God, we all had to come to the realization that it was a problem. And even before we got there, when it comes to my prayer life, it mimics so much of my reality. Because if I can't even bring something to God in my private life, is you know, one of my mama's favorite albums, Behind the Veil. <laughs> if I can't have a one-on-one conversation with God that don't nobody know nothing about, I can't expect to show up and tell somebody else about it. So as a church, if we can understand and as Christians come together and show love, compassion, and empathy, and begin to use our testimony to say, yes, this is something I've dealt with. I prayed, but here's also what I did. And understand that, I'm not criticizing you or demonizing getting therapy. What I'm doing is saying, yes, seek out that help, but also don't forget who is your help. Ooh. And sometimes that I think people feel like, oh, well, if I say go to therapy, then I'm somewhat putting your therapist in a position of power. But I don't tell the surgeon that when they're doing heart surgery. I say, God, please direct them as they do surgery so as a as a therapist i'm saying i want to work with you and if we are the same faith or even of a different faith then pray for me (laughs) 
ask that whoever you serve uses me, but please still use me as a service that's provided to you. And as a church, we have to start making that more of an option. If we can talk about healthcare, therapy is a part of healthcare. If we can talk about what you need to do when having a baby or all these other things, that's like, at first, depending on your actual, you know, the type of church you go to or the type of faith you believe in, it may have taken a while to get to talk about certain services, but it started somewhere. And as a church, we got to start talking more about therapy. You, you want a strong marriage ministry? Add therapy. That's what they got. Premarital, couples counseling, all of that. You want a strong youth ministry? Start talking about therapy because there are therapists out there to work with the youth to help them talk about what they're dealing with in their home and understand at an early age what happen, happens behind closed doors doesn't always need to stay there. And you have a safe place to talk about that. Because if you grew up like me, you grew up in a church that was a family church. I need to talk to somebody that ain't family. <laughs> I need to have a space to go to where it's a you know, a third party, a mutual third party that I know has no vested interest in anyone. And our youth today know things that we don't necessarily want to acknowledge they know, but they have the knowledge to understand who they need in their corner a lot earlier than we want to recognize. So offering that as an option. And then all these other things. So if you want a strong ministry, talk about bringing in valuable players and having a therapist as a valuable player is only going to build your ministry. I, I hope I answered that question. Yeah, I agree. And one thing that I was thinking about was that we, okay, <laughs> no shade to anybody. Oh, she might go no, deep, little No shade. <laughs> but there's a lot of people that I have encountered who feel like with anything that you do, doesn't matter what it is, you need to go and seek counsel from any one of your leaders. You need to tell your pastor, you need to tell your apostle, you need to tell whoever before you do anything. Honestly, I consider that a form of therapy. It may not necessarily be what you need in the moment, but that is the same thing. If you're going to your pastor for some type of counsel, that is literally what a therapist does. You're going to somebody to talk about your issues or your problems. And I think there's a huge stigma in general about the mental health field. People think that when you're going to see a counselor or a therapist or a shrink, that you're crazy that you're instantly going to be diagnosed with schizophrenic bipolar disorder, and then that's it. And that's not necessarily the case. You know, we all deal with a lot of mental health issues and may not necessarily have to be borderline anything. And I think that once we recognize in every community that um, we all deal with stuff, and just like you said, having somebody who is unbiased to talk about those problems um, that's going to help us in the long run. For me, I know I battle with depression on a regular basis and I live in Cleveland. So it's cold a lot of times and dark and dreary. So of course, seasonal affective disorder is a huge thing here in this community. There's a lot of people who struggle with that. And I think that if people recognize that there are symptoms that are related to each other and how we can work with each other as a community, especially in the church, since we are supposed to be the body of Christ and have compassion and love for each other, that I think it'll help us 
move forward and not feel like we have to suppress everything where kids don't feel like they have to hold everything in that's going on because when you're 15 16 you already got a lot of hormones raging in the first place and so if there's something else that's happening in your household and you can't talk about it then of course it's a whole another layer and you that runs and leaves that stays on you mm-hmm. as you growing up, as you come become an adult, that, that, that mindset stays with you. And so just like you said, I think it's super important that we need to change our, our mindset on what mental health actually really is so that people don't feel like it's such a huge issue that you're crazy or anything like that, you know, for going to talk to somebody. Cause we do it anyway. We talk to people anyway. Yeah. And if Jesus was a healer, then I I just, you know, I want to add, not to add to the Bible, but when they talk about all the things Jesus did, he did serve in a capacity as a therapist as well. Think about it. In order to keep the disciples going and motivated, he had to at all times be listening to their problems, helping them reframe the issues and look for what it was that they were doing as a collective to move them forward. And depending on what you're in therapy for, whether it's family therapy, marriage therapy, we're looking for that common goal to move us forward. And even in individual therapy, it's all about reframing and re- like shifting those narratives that you've given yourself to identify the hope and the value in the story that you have. Yeah. And, you know, David in the Bible, he had depression. I don't know if people really recognize that, but David was <laughs> he dealt with depression you could read in Psalms one minute. He's like, God, I love you. The next minute he's like, God, I don't know what's going on in my life and I can't take it no more. And, you know, I feel like we've all have been there, but no matter what, like we see people in the Bible who have consistently dealt with stuff, you know, like, I think that that's a great example for us, you know, to be able to go to God about who we can also go to here on earth to talk to. Cause you know, why would he want us to struggle alone? Yeah. I am so loving this authentic conversation about mental health because oftentimes in the church community um, and then just to be honest, in the black community and then even more specific in the black church community, we don't like to have these uncomfortable conversations like this. And I'm glad that you brought up David because I'm, I'm not I'm not a therapist, but I'm a growing theologian. I study study God's word. Um, when you look at the life of Elijah, um, it was a queen at the time that said in so many words, I'm going to kill you. And the brother got depressed. He got so down to the point that he asked the Lord to take his life. And so you can even go as far as he was, as as he was suicidal. And so um, you look at Job, you read the book of Job. Like I say, I'm not diagnosing him, but you can just do deductive reason. I'm pretty sure he was depressed. When you lose your family and all your possessions all in one day, you're going to be feeling some type of way. One of the ways that we can help minister to those that may be struggling mentally is by having open and honest conversations and pointing out characters in the Bible that may have struggled mentally. Um, for example, like I'm the young adult pastor in my church. And so from time to time, we'll bring in guest speakers that are either therapists or counselors and just raise awareness about mental health. We do something on a more amateur level called check-ins where we set aside time. All right, we're just going to talk. We're going to get in groups of four or five. We're going to ask, how you doing? Um, then we're going to say, how you really doing? Um, give them a chance to vent. How you doing spiritually? How you doing emotionally? And just really a time of listening 
and talking a time to pray for one another and be there for one another. And the, the college students and the young adults have really responded well to that. And then with counseling, like I am a pastor, but I go see a counselor on a monthly basis. All right. Mm-hmm. I don't wait till there's a fire. If it's, you know, let's say it's whatever mother it is. I don't wait till there's a fire, but I go there for preventative measures. And it's all, it's, Interrelated, like me going to a therapist is beneficial to my marriage where I don't have to vent everything to my wife. Like, of course, I keep it 100 my wife and, and tell her things. But there's some things that at work and just burdens that we carry as a pastor. I don't want to take care of everything and this disrupt our relationship. And the thing that I like about uh, therapy and the counselor that I see, we always end with the prayer. We always end with scripture. And you ladies brought this up. We just need a, a third party, an unbiased person just to hear us out to help us reframe the conversation. And it's not me putting my trust in the therapist. It's like, all right, my faith in you, God. And I hope that you use this person to help me um, because they could say something as easy as, um, have you considered this or have you tried asking her like this? And just a way where you can kind of connect the dots. One of my favorite examples, and I mentioned this in the um, episode um, back in 2020, is if I have a headache, first thing I'm going to do is a believer. I'm going to pray over it. I believe that God is a healer. I'm like, all right, Lord, I need you to heal this headache. Now, if the headache continues, I'm going to go talk to my friend um, Tylenol and see what's up and see what I need to take. <laughs> now, after prayer and Tylenol, the headache continues and it hurts bad enough. I'm going to see a professional. And I say that to say this, that the same way that God blesses us with, with nurses and with doctors and and with um, physicians and surgeons, he also blesses us with therapists, with counselors. And to help us out with our mental, with our mental illness. I'm so glad that we're having this conversation. So even taking this step further, Arshana, like in your opinion, what are some things that we can do as a community or even as a church? However you want to take that to just raise awareness about mental health and just, you know, what can we do to reduce the stigma that comes with mental illness? Hmm. I think that's more of like a personal thing. I, well, I, I honestly think that it's like a personal thing. I think a lot of it comes from, I'll say as a whole, I think a lot of judgment happens. And so I think once people educate themselves a little bit more, that there's less ignorance and less judgment. And so I think for the, I would say for the church world, um, I think just like you said, with pastors and ministers and leaders having conversations, um, well, kind of cause their congregation to start having a little bit more conversations and thinking a little bit differently. Um, but I, I do think that it's kind of like an individual thing where the more and more that we educate ourselves, the more that we can start to be a little bit more compassionate towards people. And I think that people who understand the mental health field, you know, not to be so afraid to actually say something, especially in church. Um, I'm not afraid. I'll say whatever I want to say, but, (laughs) but I know that there are some people who are a little bit nervous because, you know, the fear of being shunned or whatever, especially depending on what denomination or what type of culture you're in, um, or if you've grown up in the church or whatever it is, um, But I think just like how we are bold for our faith and bold with our walk with Christ, we also need to be bold with how we treat people and how we care about people and care about ourselves. Um, So I think that's just a couple of things. People who know, you know, about mental health, whether or not you're a professional in the field or you're just interested in it, be more bold and talk about it a little bit more. Talk about your struggles. Talk about things that you've seen and heard. And then for other people to just educate themselves a little bit more. Now, you don't have to go to college 
you know, to be educated. Um, honestly, there's a lot of YouTube videos, a lot of books, there's a lot of articles, you can find something, you know, to educate yourself on. And then for the leaders, just to talk a little bit more about it, just like you said, that's my suggestion. If I were to add to what Arshana said, I think to pull, so with public health, we always look at what are your epicenters or who's creating change within the community? The black church holds power. That's, that's just what it is. Always has. And in my opinion, it, it always will. I think to take what Arshana said a step further, and Paul, you did a great job of mentioning this too when you talked about as a pastor what you do. We got to stop gatekeeping on some level within the church. If you know you can't hold all these issues as a leader, start utilizing the gifts God has given your, cre- your congregation to set people in some positions so that that is their job. Allow them to help navigate some of those fields because some of the things that we take on as leaders, we don't even need to take on. It's just our inability to be able to delegate or want to willingly tell someone else hey, this is something I feel I should no longer be taking on. And I feel like that that also has to do with pride, but to take pride out of that and just understand, it's not you saying you don't have the ability to do this, it's the understanding that your congregation needs more than just you. Like that's how we're gonna survive. So for instance, just talking a little bit about my own background, I became a life coach when I understood the stigma behind the mental health. Because it's like, okay, I'm a therapist, but not everybody is going to utilize me as a therapist. Or some people are going to hear I'm a therapist and maybe even be afraid to talk to me. But as a life coach, I can come in and help guide you to some of your goals, help talk you through some of the things that you're dealing with, help you identify, hey, this is an area, though, where a therapist will be able to help you. Because not only are you struggling to reach this goal, but there's something there you need to talk through. Like, we can identify something has happened in the past. And every time you go to move towards this, it's being either triggered or it's coming up and it's serving as a a roadblock for you. So let's bring in somebody else for you to talk to and get there. Same thing happening in churches. People get leadership positions or there's things that we can see as church members that are happening in their life. And to be able to tap on their shoulder and tell them, hey, I'm praying for you. And here's the business card of somebody I think you may need to go talk to. That simple. One transaction. And no, I didn't leave out God, but I also didn't leave out there may be another source that he's pouring into just for you. I think (laughs) I think another piece to that, too, is, like I said, having those people on staff, it doesn't always have to be a therapist. It could be coaches. And as life coaches, you know, they can train depending on the type of life coach you are as a master life coach, you can train other coaches. So if you've got a master life coach within your congregation or a therapist within your congregation that can train you can teach other people with certain gifts that you're already using, your intercessors and other people that are praying for people. You can teach them the skills they need to also show up for people in the way you need them to show up. Just the whole space, because sometimes that's all we need to do. So some I know churches already that do have like suicide prevention hotlines. Like you calling, they doing QPR, but also praying with you. So being able to utilize those resources and once again, understand it's not taking away from the church, it's building the church and adding to the kingdom. Because now what you're doing is you're bringing those resources in and showing people they can further trust the church, not be hurt, but continue to be healed in this place. Mm -hmm. Come on, because the church needs to be a place of healing. And we, we hit on this 
um, already in the episode, but I just want to quickly rewind back and just ask, uh, we'll start with you first, Shamika, like, is it okay? I think I know your answer, but just kind of elaborate on it. Is it okay for Christians to seek professional help? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, and yes. Um, I want you to think about all the ways you th- seek professional help. And I'm going to start here because every church got a good one. Y'all know who the mechanic is in church. You know when your car breaks down, you know who to go to. That is a Come professional. <laughs> you ain't out there trying to break up, like, tear your car apart anymore. Matter of fact, you probably got his number on speed now because it's not happened a few times. And you need to know, just pack you some comfortable clothes today at the church. I'm just going to need you to stop by parking spot, whatever. I parked up the hill. Come find my car so I can leave. Like, so, you know, it's something we've already been doing as a church. Your pastor is a professional. Nowadays, most pastors have went to school and got a degree in theology. So you already seeing professionals, whether they present themselves as that or not. So it just makes sense to have a professional for your mental health as well. Like, just go ahead and just make it holistic. You see professionals when you go grocery shopping. That store is a whole franchise. There's professionals behind it running it. Just, I can, I can break this down a thousand ways, Paul, and make it real simple to say, you trust professionals already. Just go ahead and add another one. Yeah. I love how you broke that down. We already seek professional help in all these other ways. So why not mentally and emotionally? And just my quick two cents on that. I see a Christian counselor I want to go to somebody who knows the Lord. And I know in the in the mental health field, I know there's a difference between a counselor that's a Christian or somebody that practices Christian counseling. But it's another discussion for another day. I would just say the person that you go to need to know the Lord. And the reason why I say that, because if you if you part of mental health, it's, it's spiritual and it's emotional. And so I like my counselor because at the end of every session, he's going to point me back to God. He's going to read a scripture. He's going to pray for me. Then he's also going to give me some strategies along the way as well. And so this has been a wonderful, eye-opening, thought-provoking conversation. And it's my hope and prayer to the person that's listening that you would take your mental health seriously. And what that look like, maybe you need to start practicing self-care or maybe need to prayerfully consider if you need to see a counselor or just be aware of what's going on in your mind and in your heart and in your spirit. So, Arshana, I'm, I'm going to give this to you first and just kind of wrapping things up. How can people go from surviving to thriving mentally and emotionally? What would you say to that person? I'm going to speak from a person who experience, who is still working on my thriving not necessarily as a person who understands psych, (laughs) but the one thing that I have to practice every single day is something that we talked about a little bit before, um, but is really honestly figuring out what my purpose is. I think when we're just surviving, we're just living our day to day. We're just trying to make it to tomorrow. We're just trying to make it to next week, minute by minute. But I think once we start to focus on who we're doing this for and not really us, you know, we we take us out of the equation and start to put God at the front and center. I think that is when we start to thrive because we get into our word more. We're praying more. um, We're worshiping more and we're being thankful of the small things that we've accomplished in our day and not necessarily thinking of all the big things like 
you don't have to be a millionaire. You don't have to be making $300,000 every year in order for you to thrive. I think once I started writing down my, um, my wins every day, that helped me get a little bit more perspective onto what God was blessing me with. Because even though I wasn't getting the stimulus check the first two times, I still knew, <laughs> I still knew that God was still a provider because I woke up that morning. I had clothes on somewhere. <laughs> I had food somewhere. Even though coronavirus was acting a complete fool, I still knew that God was still who he said he was. And I had to trust in the process. I had to trust in what God was doing in my life. And I had to keep reminding myself of who I was doing this for. Um, that because that survival mode, we start to just think of us, you know, it really is I'm, that is the selfish part because we're thinking of what we can get, we're thinking of where we can be in the future, who we're trying to be, who we're trying to impress, you know, things like that, and not necessarily thinking about what God is doing and has already done, um, and what He will do. So, that is my take on how to thrive. <laughs> If I were one just to, to add to that, because everything you said was so like it mirrored my wall. So if I were to add on to that, not speaking as a professional, speaking as an imperfect Christian, if I were just to take you through my journey this this past year, surviving to thriving, it's that those gratitude moments re- being reminded it's a blessing every time I take a breath. So that that hand in hand not necessarily pounding myself or getting down on myself when I feel that I'm not walking the life as God has called me to walk it, but understanding that every breath he gives me is another opportunity to change things. So stop looking at what I don't have and start looking at what he has created as opportunities for me to have. When I wake up in the morning, just saying thank you for the day, because sometimes it's so easy to overlook that that is a gift. So seeing it as a new day and not, oh, man, I got a whole nother day I got to try to, to make it through. But, oh, man, I got a whole nother day to see what God is about to bring me through. So even understanding that when you in the midst of a storm, understanding we're not looking at the sharks around us. We focus on the boat we in because when you focus on the boat you in, that's how you make sure that there's not any holes for what to seep into the boat and you drown because the boat starts to sink. So stop looking at what's around me and start looking at what I have and making sure that I'm taking care of that. Because as I take care of what I do have, then I'm gaining the strength and the knowledge needed to then begin to slowly approach the things that are around me. I think something else too with that is also understanding, utilizing community. And also we talk... They talk a lot about in church, like that pruning season, like sometimes it hurts. Expansion comes. You have to let go of family, friends, understanding it's okay to do that in your life when you feel that your mental health is being impacted by that. Setting boundaries. Maybe it's time to let that friend go or give them a vacation. Sometimes you got to learn how to, you know, pray for yourself, go to God for yourself, and also just handle business by yourself. Because there are going to be times when you can't call mama, you can't call daddy, you can't call brothers and sisters. And sometimes that person that you've identified as your accountability partner, you may be moving to another level in which you can't even call them. So assessing, being able to take a look at it and see, 
is a lot of the pain that I'm feeling right now coming from the fact that I'm returning to the sources of that pain. Because are they able to help me or have I reached a level now in which even they don't know what to do? And that's okay. It doesn't make them a bad person. You just got to know that it's time for you to walk, like to take up another walk. Maybe pick up some other people. Or maybe God is calling you to walk alone. That's a whole nother series I know. But that, that's a season, especially when you're single. That, that's a whole nother conversation about that season of being alone. But also so understanding you got to go through that season and learn some things so that you can know what to do when you get back to the season where God has placed people in your life. Because you could push people away as well. So we'll call that knowledge, understanding, wisdom. That comes with thriving. You got to understand how to use those things that God has given you. Mm-hmm. Um, also part of thriving is also understanding how you show up. So now you've evaluated the people around you, but do you know how to do true introspection? Do you know how to sit down with yourself? Because that quiet time with God does give you that time with yourself as well. Because a lot of us don't like the silence and the silence is where we grow a lot. So until we learn how to be okay with the silence, we're not going to understand how to move from surviving to thriving because we won't know what to do when we're in a a space where God is silencing everything around us so that we can't hear what it is he's saying or hear what it is that we need to hear because we're so used to the noise. And I think if if I were to simply end that is also to know how to locate resources and utilize those resources. Everything that has been said today in this podcast were resources or giving you Google key terms to go Google and find a resource or find something needed. Go back and listen to some more episodes of Paul's podcast because it's kingdom building in itself. So it's some gems in them past podcasts that are literally going to tell you some things that you may need right now in your mental health journey. And we just told you throughout this podcast, mental health is everything. So just because it wasn't packaged saying this episode is about mental health doesn't mean it didn't give you the keys you need to assist in your mental health. But one thing that you said before we (laughs) move on, but one thing that you said, you had said something about how, you know, there's times where we have to transition people or um, put people in different positions or even in relationships. There's also times where we have to recognize that there's some things that we're doing ministry-wise as well that we need to stop doing for a certain period of time as well. And I don't think a lot of people like to talk about that (laughs) because being sat down doesn't necessarily mean it's a punishment. And I think a lot of us feel like whenever God is telling us to take a break from something, that it's a punishment, that we did something wrong, when that's not necessarily the case. This happened to me recently. <laughs> like, this is this happened to me. And um, I was obedient. I didn't take it as anything as a punishment. But I, I recognized that God was trying to shift me in a completely different arena, different mindset, to focus on something completely different that he had for me. Um, and in order, f- if I wasn't obedient, I could have caused like serious detriment to that one thing that he wanted for me and delayed the purpose, delayed the promise that he had as well, because I was too try to be too caught up and being seen and in everybody's faces doing one thing that he said I needed to take a break from. And a lot of for the people in the back, just, just a little lot. I think that's super important to talk about as well, because uh, especially now 
a lot of people are caught up in getting the title and getting the position and being up here in leadership when it comes to serving. And there's sometimes where God is saying that we need to take a break, stop, do something else. (laughs) And it may not necessarily be at the leadership position. You may be the greeter at the door and that is also okay. You know, and that may be best for your mental health period that you're in because you might because a lot of times we can get too busy. And getting too busy can cause a lot more harm because we get stressed. That's what we feel anxious and we're frustrated because our brain is not is just working too hard. It's doing too much. And there's times where God is saying, "Okay, I need you to slow down so that you can take a rest. And that is okay too. So that's my two cents. And now I'm done. (laughs) <laughs> if I were to add one more thing to that, because Paul or Shauna have said it, it's we talk a lot about God bless me from the overflow. If you aren't allowing God to keep your cup filled, how are you going to have overflow? If he constantly refilling you, there's never overflow. That also means you're moving a little faster than you're supposed to be moving too, because you're giving somebody what God had just for you. So that blessing that was for you, you wondering, God, where's my miracle coming from? Or where's that that message I've been asking you for? And he's telling you, you keep giving it away. You ain't listened to it yet because you keep passing it off to somebody else. If you sit still and listen to what I just gave you before you go give it to somebody else, you'll realize it was what you needed. And a, a lot of great leaders will tell you that. When I start doing what it is I'm telling other people to do, or I start walking alongside the people that I'm helping, that's when I got what I needed to get. And I think that's great for mental health as well, because when you start realizing the way you're going to help the people that are constantly laid on your heart is by you walking in what it is that you're trying to help them walk in or by you exercising that faith, you'll start to see things differently as well. Listen, y'all have turned the conversation. I'm glad you took that turn because sometimes we could be so busy doing the work of the Lord that we don't have time for the Lord of the work. And shameless plug, I did a sermon on that about Mary and Martha, season one, episode 16, titled, Are You Devoted or Are You Distracted? Because sometimes we could just be doing too much, moving too fast, and that will affect us negatively, um, emotionally, and mentally. And as you can tell from this conversation, we can go on and on. This is just the tip of the iceberg. We just wanted to lovingly encourage you to take care of your mental Prioritize your mental health. Uh, Once again, practice self-care. Go to counseling if you need to. And make sure all of this is bathed in the word and bathed in prayer. Some things that help me out to survive and thrive emotionally and mentally is, first of all, time with the Lord. Time in prayer, time in the word, get my spirit right. Um, Working out, playing basketball, make sure my body is right. Practicing gratitude that was mentioned earlier. And I'm very intentional in planning out my joy, doing those things that bring me joy and having fun. And by doing all these things, this is kind of a recipe to help me to thrive mentally and emotionally. And then if if something gets worse from there, I need to go see a professional, then we'll go from there. Arshana, we'll start with you. Tell the people how can they connect with you and just uh, what you have going on. And then the same thing with Shamika after that. Absolutely. So, um, like Paul said, I um, own no business. I am Marshana LLC. Um, I have 
kind of a network underneath it called the Christian Creator Network. And I pretty much help ministries, brands, personal brands, personal ministries, churches, navigate the social media world, um, figure out what your brand is, your marketing strategy, things like that. Because I think especially now, it's super important that we understand social media is because, you know, it's super, it's necessary now at this point um, to navigate it. So that's what I do. Um, you can find me on Instagram at I am Arshana. Um, and I also have a website, IamArshana.com. I have a YouTube channel. It's I am Arshana. Everything, every social platform is I am Arshana. So if you want to find me, you can find me there. You can DM me. I respond. <laughs> I'll say, hey. <laughs> um, you can email me. I'll say hey back. If you need any of my services, definitely um, you can go on my website and find that. I also have a blog on there too. So um, you guys can find me on IG and Twitter at Positively Meek. All one word. Quick backstory Positively Meek came from a time in which I was going through my own storms and people were telling me all around me, like, yo, you just positively Shamika. Like, you you bring the energy, you bring it. And whether we talking about Jesus or you telling me something that's like, like real authentic and hurting my feelings, you still gonna be you. So you're positively you at all times. And it was like, oh, Positively Meek. And even the M in the logo stands for the, you know, the hills and the valleys, because God is God is with me in both. Whether I'm on the top of the mountain, I'm in the valley low, looking at the next mountain top I'm going to. God is there. Uh, so I recently, like I said, it's now a business. I do speaking engagements. I'm a therapist. I do coaching um, and also a consultant. I'm, it's an intersection of both my degrees. I'm all about maternal health. So maternal mental health, how that plays into our maternal mortality rates, I'm not going to make this podcast heavy, but to say, you know, check out those things, see what it is I do. This energy that you got on this podcast is what I bring to all my spaces because I'm a firm believer. You got to make knowledge engaging. So I'm going to give you the knowledge, but I'm also going to make it engaging, um, heartfelt and something that hopefully you heard me. And now you're going to go tell some people what you heard, because that's how we end stigmas. It's being willing to share the information that we gain. Um, Also, I do have a website, um, PositivelyMeek.com. And last but not least, uh, I do have a podcast. It should be out today. If you go probably some past episodes up called The Overflow. Quick 15 minutes of joy just talking about me giving from my overflow and what God has given me to be able to share with you to hopefully help fill your cup so that you can give from your overflow as well. And y'all know how we do over here. I'm going to leave all those links in the show notes so you can connect with both of them. Let me let me leave you with scripture. Second Corinthians chapter one, verses three and four says, praise be to God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Well, what an episode. Thank you so much, ladies, again, for coming on the show today. And thank you for listening. If you like what you heard today, then share this episode with a few friends and feel free to catch up on all the other dope episodes as our goal is to provide conversations that inspire. Lastly, I would love to connect with you on Instagram as well. I create content that make you laugh and make you think. My handle is at Paul W. Calcode. I'll leave that link in the show notes and you can follow me as well. Please be sure to turn in next week. 
the conversation about mental health continues as we are going to have a man cave discussion about mental health. I'm bringing on a couple of my brothers in Christ and we're going to have an open and honest Christ centered conversation about prioritizing our mental health, but from a guy's perspective. So tune in now. Enjoy this song by my sister in Christ, J.E. White, called Change Me. Till next time, go be all that God has called you to be. But before I go, I need you to